How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to Locked On Chiefs for November 1st. Hope you had a great Halloween. There is a lot going on in Kansas City with these Chiefs, and we are going to get right into it. Thank you for listening to us, and thank you for listening for the rest of the Locked On Network, including Matt with Locked On NFL and, and Vinny on Locked On Fantasy. We really appreciate it, and we're growing a ton, and it's all thanks to you guys, so thank you. This team got out of Indy with a quality win, uh, but man, th- there was a cost associated with it. There's a cost, but I think you have to look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is look at the depth that they created and they were able to get out of Indy even with the injuries they had and not really, and I'm not trying to be cocky or anything, but not really break even a sweat. I mean, when you beat a team by almost three scores, that's a, that's a pretty good statement. Yeah. And you know, credit the guys in the personnel department, John Dorsey, most especially that, we're able to set this team up to weather this kind of storm. We're not going to go super deep into Alex Smith, but long and short of it is he passed the SCAP 3 protocol, which is the the initial assessment that they go through right after. It has a little bit to do with memory, some balance, and they look at symptoms and that kind of thing. And they cleared him both times to come back. It makes you think that he's going to be available this next week. But if not... They're set up very well because they have Nick Foles there that can run Andy's system, is versed in it, is confident in what he's doing. Took him a little bit of time to get up to speed, but once he did, I think he looked very good. And that's a credit to John Dorsey and and Andy for having him here. No, and I will agree with that, but I don't – and, you know, there was talk about this today that Smith lost his job to Colin Kaepernick because of a concussion – I honestly don't think that that should be even a question here in my mind. Yeah, I know Alex Smith started the season off pretty rough, but I still think that he's a better quarterback than Nick Foles. This team's better off, and it should be a credit for John Dorsey in the personnel department as well as Andy, that they had Nick Foles here that's a competent backup, and he helped this team out. Wait a second. You wouldn't have felt good with Tyler Bray as the QB? You know, I like his (laughs) arm. The rest of them I'm just not sure about. Well, eventually he's going to need to play, and you got to really find out what you have. And this would have been a no-right defense to try that out against because they're not a great defense. Uh, when it comes to Nick Foles versus Alex Smith, I think Alex Smith gets a bad rap from a lot of fans. I think that he's a better quarterback than a lot of fans give him credit for. Uh, you want to have a very good quarterback. You want an elite quarterback, and I get that. But it's not like they grow on trees, and I think that he is – done very well for Kansas City and and they ought to be uh, thankful for what he's done for Kansas City because if you have almost any other quarterback that they could have drafted in that draft the first draft they had or even the second draft they had I really question whether or not they'd be where they are right now and you know you have to give credit to both of them because it's not just Nick Foles that came into this game and was able to stretch the field yes as a team 
they increased their yards per completion by a good bit, uh, almost a yard and a half on the day. But when you break it down, Foles came up at, at just a shade under 14 yards per completion. Smith actually threw for a touch more at 14.1. So it it's a little deceptive, but but Alex Smith was going downfield as well. And I think that's a symptom of what Andy Reid was trying to do with the offense and that they're coming accustomed to pushing that ball a little bit farther. Well, what you saw from Foles is you saw that he will push the ball down the field, but he is not accurate with it and he doesn't he's not there with the timing and and if he gets reps maybe that changes a little bit but i don't suspect he's going to get a lot of reps unless alex smith is out all this week Uh, i don't expect Foles to be playing on sunday against the jaguars i think he could play and i think they could win with Foles against the jaguars just because it's the jaguars Uh, but i fully expect that smith will be the starter on sunday and i think that he'll have a good game for kansas city on sunday the controversy came because he he was knocked out twice. He went through the initial protocol twice. They call it SCAT version three. And it, it's a sport concussion assessment test. And it's it's kind of literal and it's kind of quick. Uh, it's based on memory and a little bit of looking at the symptoms, uh, looking at, at motor balance, fine motor skills and that kind of thing. Ocular motor skills, tracing the eyes and that kind of thing. According to Rick Burkhalter, he passed it both times. There's some controversy about whether that's actually true, and every person's a little bit different, but supposedly on Monday he was asymptomatic, so I think there is reason to think that Alex Smith will probably be available come the next weekend. Well, and I was listening to uh, Danny Parkins today, uh, right after I got off work, and he was talking about how uh, he had Dr. Chow, I think Dr. Chow on, who used to be an NFL team doctor. And and we've had him on the show before. Yeah, We've talked to him before, and he said that you know it's really hard for him to believe that there's any kind of uh, conspiracy there to be had because the independent neurosurgeons, and, and this is something that most fans would know, this is something I didn't have a clue of, but the independent people that are there for the teams are local people. So it's not like Kansas City is going to be having their own independent guy. It's Kansas City had somebody from Indianapolis that the team probably didn't have any clue as to who they were before before it happened so i mean it's just you know there shouldn't be a conspiracy there i think they handled it the right way now you can question whether or not uh he should have ever gone back in the game because it looked like he had a concussion and you can also question the science because it's not something that they can actually say definitively that he did or did not have a concussion at that point And it's probably going to be a bit of a thorn here for the next week. What they're going to look for is if he has any recurrence of symptoms as he starts to exercise, as his blood pressure fluctuates, uh, gets pumped up at practice or whatever, see if he remains asymptomatic. And that's generally going to be the touchstone from everything that I saw, uh, both from the press conference as well as the independent uh, physicians that were commenting on it. So we'll have to stay tuned and look what's going to happen with Alex Smith. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. You are a mighty fortress of supreme knowledge. Progressive Direct has not only revealed their rates, but those of their competitors. If you were any more in the know, you would be drowning in, you know, the know. Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates, because knowledge is power. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. The bigger concern, in my opinion is that Spencer Ware did not pass that phase of his test and remains in the protocol. And Spencer Ware is likely to be unavailable come this next weekend. 
And that's another injury that I think if it was just Spencer Ware, uh, you would probably be, be all right if Charkhanic West was going to be available. But we don't know that West is going to be available. West went out with an injury late in the game. He did come back in, but he sure looked like he was a different player when he came back in the second time as opposed to what he looked like at the beginning of the game. Yeah, and even if he's perfectly capable, he's beat up. He he took a kind of a grinding in that game with Jamal heading down to see Dr. Andrews. Still some swelling on the knee, still concerned there. Andy Reid can spin it as a checkup all he wants, but he's still, they're not ready to put him back in yet. If he's able to practice Wednesday, that may be a different story. But right now, a position of strength for this Chiefs team is looking a little bit thin, and there are some options. What do you think they should do? Well, I think it was very interesting today that Green Bay actually released Niall Davis after only being there two weeks and getting, I think, five carries is what was reported. And, you know, honestly, that doesn't surprise me too much. I'm sorry, but I think that Davis is Davis is talented, but I don't think he's a great running back. He doesn't have the vision, and, and if you're in a one-cut system, maybe you can do it or more of a power running game, but that's not really what Green Bay's running. Um they don't have those huge mauling linemen that are going to be the power guys. And I think that's something that, you know, he didn't really fit them, but he doesn't really fit Kansas City. But they could bring bring him back, and they could look at bringing him back just because, one, he already knows the offense, and two, he's played in the NFL. He, he could give them a little bit of help on in other areas as well with special teams. And then you wouldn't have to bring up somebody like Spencer Reeves if Charkandrick West is going to be healthy if you don't want to. You wouldn't have to bring up Char- uh, Spencer, sorry, not Spencer Reeves, Darren Reeves, and risk him having a great game and then maybe not being able to put him back on the practice squad again. Yeah, and that's a fair point. You bring up Reeves and he explodes. Like he had some very good preseason games. If he's able to do that too, especially with the way that the offensive line has played the last couple of weeks, uh, you may not be able to release him and get him back on the practice squad. So that is a concern. But I agree with you. I like the idea of Niall Davis back specifically because he can step back into the offense. And who knows? Maybe this serves as a motivational thing for him. He can rid himself of his hesitation and actually become a better back out of it. I don't know. But he is a guy that can step into that offense if West is unable to go and at least cover the bases. Yeah, and I think he's I think he's going to be capable enough, especially if you consider what Kansas line is going to have to be, because Parker Eyinger is probably going to be out for more than a week or two. Uh, it sure looked like that injury is going to be something that's going to be more difficult to deal with, and he might end up being headed to IR. I hope not, but just from what I saw with that injury and the way he looked, I think it looked like it was a worse injury than. Uh, just a couple, just you know, a couple of plays, or even the rest of the game. I think he's going to be done for a while. And if that's truly the case, you put in somebody like Zach Fulton, who is more of a power guy and not a not a real great zone blocking guy. And maybe you use that to your advantage if you have to bring back Nile Davis and you start running some power schemes, because the rest of the guys have enough power. Uh, I think you know you have a pretty strong line, other than maybe Mitch Morse, maybe your weakest link at that point, and you can kind of get around the center at that point. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say that about Morse. He's he's a pretty strong guy. He's just not asked to do it very often. And you're right. If they switched over to more of a manpower blocking scheme, it would help Davis out in particular. It would hide Fulton a little bit, and it'll get you through a couple of games. I agree with you. I was really encouraged by what Parker Iger's been able to do since he returned from his initial injury. Uh, still underpowered, but I thought he came back having 
learned the offense while he was out and unable to play. He looked more confident. He looked able to do what he does, which is be an athlete at that guard position. So I was encouraged by that as well. Now, we got to flip the script here real quick because there's a whole lot of conversation. And I, I tweeted this out on Monday. Two things I did not expect to see right next to each other was D Ford on a top five list in sacks right next to Marcus Peters. What do you think about what Ford did? I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think Ford is taking advantage of subpar uh, players. I'm not going to try. I'm not trying to steal any thunder from him. I think he's played well. Uh, He has shown that he has a motor and he will continue to go after plays. And that's something he hadn't done previously. And I think that's helping him this year. Um, But I want to see him do it against some, some better def- or some better offensive lines. Cause I'm sorry, the teams he's done it against have been playing either second or third string right tackles for the most part. And he needs to prove that he can continue to do that throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree, but I, I do think he's making progress. And if he can now apply this work ethic and, and take plays all the way to the conclusion, there was one against the saints where he might've been halfway home if he had spun out of it and, and, and continued to rush, but he thought the ball was away. If he can have a little bit more awareness, I think he's still making enough progress that he looks fairly uh, on the right track, and I'm optimistic. As a team for the whole, not only did they get the six sacks that are that are being touted all over mainstream media, they also made 12 quarterback hits. So for the game, they had a, a total of 18 collisions with that quarterback. That's more than double any other game they've had all season. And that as a team and the from the aggression standpoint and from getting things done in terms of getting to the quarterback, at least in his vicinity, is a very good step forward. No, it's a great step forward. And there's one thing that you have to look at when you're looking at that. You have to think about the fact that Andrew Luck is a quarterback that's going to throw the ball down the field more. He's not a Drew Drew Brees type quarterback or, you know, what Peyton Manning used to be where he gets the ball out almost immediately. So they're going to be having a chance to do that and they're going to be able to hit the quarterback more. So I do think that's a very good sign going forward. I think that uh, they're going to be playing a, you know, a QB in um, Blake Bortles this week that I think they're going to be able to put some hits on as well. I mean, that Jaguars line is not very good. And I think they're going to be able to take advantage of that as well. Now, along with these podcasts, you can feel free to to get some of our quicker takes. I, I am on on Sunday nights. You can stream it online on, on KNUS 710 in Denver. Talking about the AFC West. It's a weekly radio show that I'm on. Feel free to drop in there and you know, give you a little bit wider picture about what else is going on. And Chris has a show that's coming up tomorrow. Yeah, I will be on 14 K- 1410 KGSO in Wichita. Uh, about 7.03 in the mornings, uh, I will be on that show. And that's every Wednesday. Catch us Sundays and Wednesdays. We'll give you a little bit wider perspective. Now, with this team again, the other interesting thing is they are about nine days, eight days from having to make the decision for Justin Houston. I don't think he's going to make it back for this next game against Jacksonville. But he's making progress. They said it, Andy Reid kind of hinted today that he's uh, – made a a kind of a a leap here in the last week or so. So I think they're going to take it right up to the deadline. And I think he is going to be activated next Wednesday. I think that is going to be a time that he's able to get back on the field and we can see exactly what he's able to do at this point. Well, he may be activated, but I'm not sure he's going to end up on the field against uh, the Carolina Panthers. It would be nice if he could be, but it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't make it back till the Denver game. 
just because he becomes activated next week doesn't mean that he has to end up playing. And I think that's going to be something that is a, a distinct possibility, especially considering if you look at how they've dealt with Jamal Charles. They're not rushing him back, and nor should they. So, you know, even if he looks like he's completely ready until he's got a week or two of practice in, I think it's a bad sign to go throw him out on the field uh, when he hasn't had any of that type of play on a regular basis. And that may be a fair point. We'll have to see. And you're right. D Ford is, is picking it up a little bit. Thomas played a little bit more early, like you said, uh, against the Colts. Uh, and I'm all for seeing Daddy Nicholas get more reps as a pass rusher. So maybe they hold off a little bit farther. Uh, we'll do an abbreviated real quick rundown uh, for the AFC ranks. Uh, a little bit of topsy-turvy. There, it's going to be in the post. So it, go over to Arrowhead Attic and check out the post for today as well if you're listening to this somewhere else. Run down the bottom. The top five as I had them today. Raiders at five. Broncos at four. Steelers, even though they didn't play, they fell a spot to number three. And I put the Chiefs at two. Is, is something wrong with that, Chris? I, I can't really argue with it because I think Kansas City proved that they actually can beat a team that uh, has a great offense, and they haven't played a team that has a great defense and a great offense yet, and they're going to be getting that. Uh, well, maybe they'll get that this season. I'm not sure. It really depends. It, it looks like it's possible right now that they're not going to be playing a team like that till the playoffs because uh, right now you look at who's in who they have left and – I don't know that there's a team out there that really has a great offense and a great defense right now. And, you know, as far as Oakland and Denver are concerned, Oakland's got its problems and they have a great offense. But if you can get them to be one dimensional and they can't run the ball, that's going to be a problem for their passing offense. And their defense has shown they are not very good. They committed 24 penalties, 23 penalties against the Buccaneers and it had to go into overtime to win the game even with the QB throwing for 513 yards. So that's a problem. And you look and at it Denver, was just the Buccaneers. Yeah. And the Buccaneers are one of the worst teams in the NFL. And then you look at a team like Denver and Denver has a fantastic defense. I will give them that. I'm not trying to take anything away from their defense, but their offense is not very good. They had three drives that were scoring drives that went over 50 yards. Uh, and that was all they really had. They had a couple of scores in that game that were actually caused by turnovers uh, and were short fields, and that really helped them. And if they can get turnovers on a regular basis, they'll be fine. But if they go up against a team that's not going to turn the ball over very much and that can slow down their offense that isn't very good to begin with, they're going to have trouble. And, you know, I, I don't think they're they're progressing. I, I think they're stale, if anything, Losing C.J. Anderson is kind of a hit, although I do really like Devontae Booker. He is the running back that I would have liked the Chiefs to have had a chance to select, to tell you the truth. Uh, he's a name that the Chiefs are going to see for a lot of years, but I don't think he has it together right now. And so that offense is going to struggle. With the Chiefs playing well on defense and well on offense, I, I just think that they have the advantage over both those teams. And I don't think they're able to come in. I, I don't think they get beat by the Steelers like they did first. Uh, the first time out. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is starting to come back to practice, so that may change things. But right now, I really think the only team in the AFC that the Chiefs would really have a serious problem against is the New England Patriots. Well, and if you look at the Steelers, the Steelers aren't the Steelers if they don't have Le'Veon Bell that game. That completely changed the game plan for them and what they're able to do in that game. You take him out of that game, and it's a completely different game. The Steelers have had, I think, Le'Veon Bell... 
and Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown for all of, I think, three games in the past 24 or 25 games. That's a big problem if you're a Steelers fan, and they need to figure that out. If they can't figure that out, they're going to be very limited on how far they can go in the playoffs. Well, that's the rankings for this week, and that's it for us today. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow. We have our normal guest, Seth Kaiser, will be with us. We have some great stuff coming up for you this week. Have a great one. So have a good rest of the week, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review, and reach out to us on Twitter, at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time. arrived at JCPenney, the perfect time to refresh your home. From now until Sunday, get up to 50% off select comforter sets, furniture, and the most comfortable mattresses from top brands like Tempur-Pedic, Sealy, Beautyrest, and more. And save 50 to 60% on select sheet sets, plus an extra 15% with your coupon on select home items. Hurry and soon. That's getting your pennies worth. JCPenney. Coupon valid 928-109 on select home items, furniture, and mattresses. Prices valid 928-101. Selections vary by store while supplies last. Fitting them regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details.